Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. It might as well be a holiday in St. Louis today. It's opening day, and the Cardinals square off this afternoon against the Toronto Blue Jays at Bush Stadium. St. Louis Public Radio's morning newscaster and senior correspondent Wayne Pratt spoke with Rob Raines about this year's team. Raines is a Cardinals beat writer for stlsportspage.com, and Wayne first asked how excited fans should be about this year's team. I think pretty excited. I, I like the young talent on the team. Obviously, a lot of time in spring training was spent talking about Jordan Walker, the 20-year-old prospect who will start on opening day, the youngest player in, what, 23 years to start on opening day uh, for the Cardinals. Rick Ankiel was the last one at that at that age. So, you know, he wasn't even opening day starter. But I think that, you know, it's – and not only him. I mean, you've got Nolan Gorman. You've got some of the other young players who I think are coming into their own. You've got to hopefully have a healthy Jack Flaherty. You know, I think the only disappointment really at spring training was that Adam Wainwright's going to start the year on the injury list and won't be able to pitch on opening day. But other than that, I think it was a very good spring training. I think there's a lot of reasons for Cardinals fans to be excited. Is there a time frame on Wainwright's return yet? I haven't seen anything. Yeah, the only thing they have said is weeks. It's a, it, The only good news about it, if there is good news about being hurt, is that it's a groin injury. So it's nothing to do with his arm or his shoulder, which is you know obviously a bigger concern for a pitcher. So I, I would suspect if they get him back by the end of April, they'll be happy. You mentioned Jordan Walker. How much of a surprise is it that he's on that opening day roster? I don't think it's much of a surprise that he's on the roster. You know, we, we knew coming into spring training he was going to have a chance to play. Obviously, the World Baseball Classic um, situation, where it took, it took two of the starting outfielders, Newt Barr and, and O'Neill, away from the team for a long period of time in the middle of spring training, opened up more playing time, more opportunities for and he made the most out of it. I mean, obviously, he's, he's as good a Cardinal hitting prospect as they've had in a number of years. Probably Oscar Tavares is the only guy really that's, that's challenged for that title since Pujols came along um, 20-something years ago. So, you know, they, they really kind of thought, I think, thought that he would seize the opportunity and run with it, and he did that. I think it probably would have been a bigger surprise to them had he not played well in spring training and uh, that they had to send him back out to Memphis to start the season. This season's opening with some differences in Major League Baseball, some rule changes. Uh, the pitch clock, um, I was out for spring training in Arizona last week, uh, and fans were getting accustomed to that in the stands. Um, yeah. How does that work, and, and what was the reaction you could tell when you were in Florida? Everybody loves it. I mean, I think, you know, if you can shave off 10 or 15 minutes, I don't think you're going to get quite as much uh, time saved during the regular season as you did in spring training because of a couple of reasons. One, you're going to have more in, in-game pitching changes, like in the middle of an inning that's going to take time. And I think you're going to have, obviously, the instant replays from a lot of games that's going to take take some time. But if they can save, you know, 15 minutes or so off a, a three-hour game time and get them done in 240 or 245, I think that's a, a plus. I think it keeps everybody sharper. I think it keeps fans' attention focused. You know, a, a pitcher now has, you know, a certain number – 15 seconds to throw a pitch if there's nobody on base, 20 seconds to throw a pitch if, if there's a runner on base, and, and the hitter has to be in the box ready to bat with eight seconds left on the pitch clock, where it's a violation. If, the hitter, if it's a violation on the hitter, it's an automatic strike. If it's a violation on the pitcher, it's an automatic ball. 
Uh, and you're also getting, you know, on, on top of the pitch clock, the biggest restriction now is a pitcher can only throw over two times to a uh, while runner is on base during a particular at bat. So that's going to change. You know, you're not going to have some of those eight or ten pickoff throws every time a guy's on base. So uh, the whole intent is to make the game move faster. You know, obviously pitchers who've come up in the minor leagues the last couple of years are used to the pitch clock. Same thing with the hitters. It's just going to be the older players that with it, it's going to be adjustments. And you, you can see that in spring training, you know, early on the first few games of spring training seemed like there were more violations than there were toward the end of spring training. So I think it's a, a, an adjustment period, but I think everybody's getting used to it. And I think everybody's going to like it. Yeah. It'll be an adjustment period for the fans who consider themselves traditionalists as well, I would think, right? You won't have as much time to gab between pitches. Yeah. You, you know, if you're sitting there in the, if you're out there for a social evening at the ballpark, you're gonna have to probably talk faster because it's not going to be, uh, it be as much non-action between pitches. You know, the, the one thing that's going to change is, and I think you talked to the broadcasters, Chip Carey and, and John Rooney about this in spring training, they won't have as much time to tell stories in between pitches. You know I mean? That's, you have to have uh, more of an, an eye to the action because there's, there's not going to be those long gaps. So it's going to, it's going to change the broadcasting end of it as well. Yeah, and they'll have to be concise. Uh, speaking of the broadcast end of it, uh, this has received a lot of attention building up to this season. Uh, so how is the uncertainty over the team's bankrupt TV broadcaster, Bally Sports, going to affect the team, or is it already hanging over the team? How do you assess that? I don't think it hangs over the team itself on the field. I think the front office and the, the financial people that have to deal with budgets are probably more concerned about it than the, than the players or the on-field personnel at this point. But I think it is it is a concern going forward because Bally's is uh, Diamond Sports, which is the, the owner of Bally's and all the regional sports networks, uh, has a lot of money that they have to pay the Cardinals every year in, in rights fees under this new you know, broadcast agreement that they signed a couple of years ago. So if they're not able to make those payments and that's revenue that the Cardinals have counted on as far as, you know, setting their operating budget and, and things like that, that they're going to have to find a way to, to off, offset that. So uh, that that's a concern that they're going to have to deal with. I think, you know, from a fan standpoint, watching the games, I think that's what everybody worried about is how am I going to get to watch the games? And I don't, I don't think we know the answer to that yet. I mean, as of now, they're operating under the bankruptcy protection that they can, you know, still reorganize and, and keep things going the way they are. How long that will go on, I don't know. I do think that there's going to be an out. Cardinals are not going to, let, let me put this way, the Cardinals are not going to let a, a situation develop where the fans are not going to be able to watch the games. You know, whether it's they have to take over the, the rights themselves and produce and, and disseminate the games in some fashion, form or fashion, that's what will happen because they're not they're not going to have a situation go where their games are not going to be available to the fans. I just don't know how that access is going to work. Getting back to spring training, uh, any other surprises, anything else jump out at you from spring training this year? Uh, I guess the fact that they stayed pretty healthy. I mean, I think the fact, you know, the, the biggest difference was that you got to see so many of the young players, again, because we mentioned with the World Baseball Classic going on, the Cardinals had more players participating in that out of their organization than any other team in baseball. So, you know, it gave us, primarily gave us a chance to watch Mason Wynn, who's, who's not quite at Jordan Walker's level as, as far as the prospect, but he's pretty darn close. And the young shortstop prospect, same, just turned 21 during spring training. So he'll start the year at Memphis, but uh, he's not going to be there, down there long. I think he had a great, great spring. Um, you know, Tyler Motter was the guy that probably was a big surprise because nobody really knew anything about him or thought anything about him coming into camp. Had been signed as a minor league free agent to uh, to provide depth on the infield at Memphis, and really the city, he played well, had a good good spring offensively. But uh, the injury to Paul DeYoung, unfortunately, his continuing problems with the health is is opened a spot for the roster for him to at least to start the season while DeYoung opens on the injury list. So uh, I would say he's probably the biggest surprise that uh, you know is going to be on the roster that nobody really expected. What are you expecting from the team this season? Playoffs? Beyond? Yeah. 
I think they should win the division, uh, and I don't know that it will really be close because I think they're better than anybody else by far, especially if they stay healthy and they get the performances out of the younger players that they expect. I think you know we saw last October with the, the shortened you know best of three first round that you know you've got to get past that round really to have a shot in the playoffs, and anything can happen in a, in a short series. I think their goal really in the regular season is to get one of those two buys and get the two one of the two best records in the league. So you get a buy in that first round and don't have to play that. You can go straight into the second round. But if they're if their pitching is good enough, if if Larry and Michaelis and, and Montgomery and Matt's Matt's had a great spring. So you know they're excited about his potential during the season. But those guys are healthy. The bullpen's healthy. The young guys do what they capable of doing. I, I think they can make a run in October. I, I really do. It's always it's always an unknown. You never know. But um they're not the best team probably on paper in the National League. You'd probably say the Dodgers, San Diego, maybe Atlanta are better than them. But uh, as we saw last year, you get win a couple of games in the playoff series, anything can happen. That's Cardinals beat writer Rob Raines of stlsportspage.com talking with St. Louis Public Radio's Wayne Pratt. The Cardinals play the Toronto Blue Jays at Bush Stadium this afternoon. episode was produced by Alex Hoyer. Wayne Pratt recorded the segment and Alex mixed it. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.